Audacious Compassion, Episode 2, Don't Mention Fish. Toothpaste and lemonade Polka dots and stripes You're a dark night And I'm the day We're a wreck and that's Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And today we're going to talk about handling when people ask you for help, and it's not exactly clear what they actually want. Hmm. So how are you doing today, Gregory? Uh, I'm doing all right. This this makes me think about some online conversations I had recently. Uh-oh. <laughs> Always a bad start. So I've got a friend who's who's on the leadership of a social group that we're both a part of, and I'm an assistant organizer. And so she was chatting with me about some kind of intermember conflicts that they've been having. Some 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 stuff that kind of required organizer attention. You know, with regard to how members were training each other. And the notable thing for me was that it was being discussed with me secondhand. So she'd been brought in to actually deal with this, help deal with this situation by another organizer. Ah, okay. And she was kind of talking to me as, you know, you're a person I can talk to about this because you're a fellow member of the leadership. Mm-hmm. And... I wasn't sure what I was actually being called in for. Because it wasn't like, hey, can you talk to these people? There wasn't a specific question. It was sort of like, here's what's going on. It's rough. Um, And it was compounded by the fact that she's like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do in this situation. It kind of sounds like everyone wants to be heard. And I wasn't (laughs) sure, like, is is my response sounds like you need to be heard? Let me just reflect back to you or actually giving advice. And it's, it's it's a situation where... I've got pretty strong opinions on how to organize a group and how to run a group and, you know, what what are appropriate procedures to have in place and things like that. And I recognize that just like I'm never going to be satisfied with a boss and their behavior at work 100%, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be satisfied with any group I'm in and how it runs unless I'm the, you know, the autocrat of it, in which case I'm violating my own principles. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where obviously the answer isn't be like, well, I could have told you so if you'd handle things this like, nobody is interested in hearing like my opinion on how things could have been different if things had been handled differently. It it was just a situation where I kind of shared some potential ways to think of it and gave my viewpoint on what she was reporting and was just kind of like yeah that sounds really rough commiseration time yeah Yeah. helping kind of helping her work through her feelings about it and just sort of being a friendly ear or a shoulder to cry on or all of the above (laughs) sounding board yeah so yeah that's that's always an odd situation to kind of have someone have a colleague come to you and be like hey Here's this thing that's going on, clearly wanting feedback, wanting to hear from you on it, right. but not really looking for, like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what about you? How, how has your life been lately? It's been pretty good. This whole thing makes me think of some colleagues that I have, just industry colleagues. When they ask for help with something, it's not always clear, so... This is like technical help? Technical help, usually, to varying degrees. 
But it might be something like, I'm having trouble getting a set of commands to work. And I say, okay, well, let me help you with that. Um, and then it turns out that they hadn't actually tried anything at all. So what they wanted me to do was to do it for them. And then I get upset because I feel as if they if they had told me that they just wanted me to do it, I wouldn't have done it. You wouldn't have even started. You would have been like, get back to me when you've tried something. Right. And so the, kind of the the cultural standard is if, if you find yourself put in a situation a lot is when someone says, I need help with something, the first thing you answer back with is, what have you tried? Which is kind of a... I don't know if it's passive aggressive, but it's it's an indirect way. It's a, a way to deflect that isn't very clear. Um, instead of having to go every time, I'm not going to help you unless you've already tried something. What have you tried? And so I don't know, it's just really frustrating to like stop what I'm doing, walk across the building, go sit down, take a look, and I see like no history of any attempts. You know, no 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 tries on their part. No Google pages open. Nothing. And they're just like one two three go. Go do it, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me! Like, I'm busy. I mean, there there is there is something that's that is seems a slightly different situation. That's a little more welcome, I think, which is the explain it to the potted plant or explain it to the duck situation, where like yep. it's so named because you can you could just use an inanimate object, just kind of talk about your problem to someone, and usually halfway through you'd be like, oh, that's what I missed. Exactly. That that I'm totally. Totally more fine with. And, and when I ask, like, do you, did you want to learn how to do this thing? The answer can range from, yeah, to, eh, I'm not good at that. Which is, I'm like, why don't you hire somebody to do this yeah. thing? Like, I, that's not what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, often, often folks say they're not good at things that are kind of part of their job. Right. It's like, you yeah. gotta, kind of gotta learn that. Like, right. You don't, you're not going to be a shorter cook who's not good at eggs. Like, yeah. it's a requirement of the job. And so it's a perpetual struggle for me to not... I try to be a jerk at work. I, I'm, I'm okay being blunt, perhaps more than other people are with colleagues. But the balance between being helpful and asking someone to fill out a 10-question questionnaire before I'm willing to go help them. There's yeah. somewhere between there. And it differs per colleague and it differs by my mood, but it's it's a perpetual career-long struggle. <laughs> it would be nice if if there was... If you could just give someone a form yes. to fill out anytime they needed to communicate with you. Yes, give me the give me the, the three things you've tried already and the thing you thought you might try but, was too, but were too afraid of. Like, some sure. people are afraid to break things, and so, you know, I get that. Uh, so, yes, that's been rattling around in my head as I'm starting work on a new project with some folks. So so the reason we're talking about these sort of requests for help from people is that we got a submission from the audience, which is pretty impressive considering that uh, we actually haven't made any episodes live yet. <laughs> but we're, we've been, we're good like that. Yeah, yeah, we've been telling people about it. So uh, a friend of the show wrote and said that, that they were troubled by people, usually students, who ask for help, don't change their behavior, ask for help, etc. Repeat ad infinitum. I get so frustrated, they say. I've given all the advice and help I can, but I can't just do it for them. I try not to let the frustration show, but damn. The teacher's dilemma. An eternal problem of instructors and fellow students everywhere. Yeah. Anyone who tutors or teaches. Yeah. Managers eventually just fire the person when this happens. If you uh, have, a, if you have maybe. a maybe, right? It's more likely. In a, I've yeah, in I mean, a, in a work situation, I've had several times that this has shown up. Fair enough. And, and usually, usually the pattern is someone comes and says, "I'm having trouble with X, Y, Z." 
I know you're good at that. Can you show me how to do that? Mm -hmm. And then they do it with you over their shoulder or you kind of give them a summary and that you think is enough for them to move forward. And then they come back and say, I'm having trouble with this, as if you not had that earlier conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, having been a teacher, I remember that ranging for anything from how do I work on this particular kind of math problem all the way to I'm failing your class. I've been failing all semester, but we're doing this conversation again for some reason with no change in results. Yeah, it's a hard conversation to have because you're in a position in which you are not only... And you're in a position of authority, so you are, your advice is considered valuable. And as an instructor in that, that kind of position, you're expected to give advice. Like, you don't get to go, generally speaking, by societal conventions, you don't get to just go, eh, thims the brakes, kid. <laughs> yeah. And, and even more so, you're expected to be good at giving advice, yes. right? Like, to a certain extent, if someone's asked you for help, you give them help, and it doesn't help them. Not to put our friend on blast, but that that's they've sort of not done their job, right? Which has right. to be frustrating because they can't do their job without a collaboration. Like I'm not saying it's their fault, mm-hmm. but but I mean, I'm you know I've had that problem as a as a mentor where after months and months of struggling, I've kind of had to go, well, I am not the right teacher for this situation, and mm-hmm. had to back away from it. And that was that was really hard to be like I've had one job. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, I mean, you usually only mentor one or two people at once. You would think I would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so assuming the answer is not, like, just quit your job because you're <laughs> not good at it. Like, you know, it's, uh, let's let's assume that, 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 they're, uh, that they're a good teacher and that there's some sort of communication problem going on here. Yes, agreed. Is, is this a situation, so when they're saying... You know, we don't we don't have too many specifics here. Um, but it says that they're usually students. Let's assume that the that the question is something like, "Why did I get a bad grade on this assignment? Like, why did I submit this lab and got a D?" A teacher's naturally going to interpret that as, "How do I not get a D on future assignments?" Right. Or how can I fix the D I have right now? Right. Like, if I have this exact same thing again. Can I do extra credit, or can I retake this exact thing and do better the second time? But um, is that actually what they're asking there? Like, are they actually wanting an explanation or a procedure to follow? I think it depends. And I think, so sometimes I think it's not how do I do better, but how do I fix this instance of this problem? So how do I make this D go away and become a B? <laughs> what do I do after organize your office do i have to like this is the things that don't college students do this but college students will seriously offer to do like office work domestic chores they will they absolutely will that's um it's bizarre and and what the teacher what the teacher wants to hear is like you said like how do i become better at this thing that you're putting energy into teaching me Uh, because that sounds much more graceful than help make this bad instance go away (laughs) so that just means it's the student's fault Oh, I, fault? <laughs> I'm not worried about fault. I don't know. So, so when you're when you're in that kind of position, and not just teachers in particular, but also, I mean, being an authority in your fig in your field, right? Mm-hmm. There's you have a cynical side and you have an optimistic side. You have the side that says these students want to learn. My colleagues want to learn their technical tools. Mm-hmm. That's what I think sometimes. 
And then there's the other part of it that says, well, this this kid just wants extra credit. And my colleague just wants me to sit at their computer and do this thing for them. Because it'll only take five minutes twice a week, right? And the truth is, both of those and something in the middle. Yeah. But it's hard to not hear your own voice interpreting that. That's that's making me think of so the the last the last sentence of our friend's message is I try not to let the frustration show, but damn. Look, I am past. I am far past not showing the frustration. And I think to a certain extent both you and I like let that frustration show. Like don't you know, don't throw things. Right. Don't yell at them. That's probably not going to let you keep your job. Right. But I think that expressing your feelings and making it clear that you're feeling something um, is kind of important to actually have a meeting of minds in any situation. I agree. I think you're right. Because just a long-suffering sigh, which is a substitute for a lot of things, is not an effective tactic, right? Right. Because people are like, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, like you you kind of have gotten a reputation for being, is grumpy the right word? Uh, We can use that word on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I think that people who exhibit behavior that results in you feeling frustrated tend to get an impression of you as a frustrated person. Yes. And I think that there are a bunch of other people who don't at all see you that way. Right. But I, there is a time in which to make it clear that you're having a reaction about something. Like, a real deal, put down your pencil and look at me reaction. You know what I mean? And and this is this can be one of those times, like... Mm-hmm. Where you just say, look, this is obnoxious. Stop coming to me for help. Unless you can tell me what kind of help you want. Yeah, probably. That's probably kind of the reverse order you actually want to do it well, in. Probably. Like, you don't want to put, you don't want to front load that that request. Oh, the emotion came first. <laughs> I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I've, you can you can have, you can nonviolent communication that if you want to. Yeah. And, run through the chart and everything but i've so i've been in this situation where i was helping a a fellow student um in college and realized that oh i helped teach you how to do this thing once before and Mm. either i'm not either i'm not teaching well or you weren't paying attention but in either case like you seemed fine afterwards wasn't you this was this is the the person (laughs) um person seemed fine but then came back and asked the same question. And I'm realizing I did not say, hey, this is what just happened. I was just kind of like, oh, maybe you should get someone else to help with the dinner. Exactly. Recapping and saying, like, it doesn't have to be like, this is the fifth time we've had exactly. Like, you don't have to, like, have a transcript of every time it's happened. But, yeah, like, stopping and saying, uh, we've had this conversation before. Is there, do you want something different out of this interaction? The the interpersonal stuff is made more complicated by the fact that you're an authority figure. Right. Like, you're there saying, I hold your fate in my hands. I mean, you probably actually don't yeah, so much. Don't. Like, one of the big, one of the great misconceptions about education in general is that it's so vital and serious in the moment. Like, that right. one assignment probably isn't going to make a regular educational career, unless it's like your senior thesis and even so, where's our senior theses? Yeah, it's true. It's, <laughs> mine's around here somewhere. Mine has actually proved helpful, I guess. But not having it wouldn't have broken my career. <laughs> yeah, and it might be beneficial not to come with the position of authority like, 
hey, we've had this conversation before. Like, that's kind of a, that's a thing a person in power says. It might be like, hey, I'm trying to help you here, but it seems like what I did last time didn't work. Yeah. Or I, I tried to help you before and it didn't work. Can you help me understand? When people are criticized, especially by a person in authority, they tend to kind of clam up. Very true. And I would say if you wanted to be even more open in that approach, so instead of saying, I tried to help you before, but perhaps just ask, like, so how did things work out with what we talked about before or something? Like, yeah. Like leaving it even more open instead of saying, but I already did this. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a certain amount of sort of decorum and distance that is important to maintain in especially a, a college setting mm-hmm. where it's like you're already dealing with people that are basically adults. Right. And so getting chummy with your students is complicated. Yes. So so you you can't always just be like, hey, I'm a regular person like you. I'm really frustrated because there's all sorts of political things and stuff going on. But yeah, yeah just, a, just a last time I told you this. How did it go implementing that? Right. One of the things I've, I've come around to over the years is learning to trust that when people say they want something, that's what they want or that that's what they need. But this is exactly the kind of case where maybe I'm not hearing them correctly or they don't know what they want. And it, the the second guessing of that is a is a slippery slope. Like, yeah. I, I'm not sure that I'd go as far as to say when people tell me they want something, that's what they want like yes when people tell me their observations sure i believe that that's what you saw but if someone makes me a request i'm going to try and satisfy that request right i'm not going to try and anticipate what they actually want yeah but i find that it's pretty typical that people don't actually know what they want or need but it's not your job to sluice that out like right right exactly yeah but 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 this i mean this exact problem is one in which a perfectly reasonable strategy would be to, someone says, I need help with something, you say, well, what do you actually need help with? And you're, you've immediately moved into second-guessing and trying to funnel out what it is that yeah. they want. Um, but I think the second time you can say, hey, last time you asked me for this, I gave you what advice I could. That didn't seem to take. So is there something else that you actually need? Yeah. Like, you don't need to put yourself in charge of this quest for discovery. <laughs> you can just be like, hey, I gave you, I gave you stuff last time. Yeah. Fair enough. And I think that, especially in a position of authority, it can be valid to ask kind of mean questions like, did you write it down last time? Yeah. I've definitely had times where the second time I worked on something, I said, all right, now, take notes. Yep. Write down what I am telling you because it didn't... I told you this last time. Yeah. And, you know, you say it in a polite way. But in any situation like that where you're kind of in a position of authority, it is not worth either of your time to be giving advice and not having it be retained. Right, not like, having it be relevant or not having it be retained. Yeah, the, the the professor's salary is far too high, the student's tuition is far too high yeah. to just waste time. My time is um, too valuable, their yeah. time is too valuable. Like, we have other things we could be doing other than rehashing the same thing four or five times. Yeah. So what's what's our actual answer to the to the what do I do question? Well, oh, let's I'm going to push us to branch out a little bit. Oh no. Yep. So when you're in a position like this, you can often feel as though it is your job to be patient and continually dispense advice. I mean, you are 
literally getting paid to sit in your office and have students come in and ask you questions. Well, you're also getting paid to stand up in front of them. Right, right. But you're getting paid for like three things. Right. Maybe four. Yes. And one of them is office hours. Right. So why not just suck it up? So how do you overcome or handle the obligation, the sense of obligation that you have, the shoulds? Because I mean, by my by my job, my job is to be good at a variety of technical tools. And whoever I'm doing it for, if it's the person who refuses to learn over there, that's moving the project forward and can be considered part of my job. And I will do it more efficiently than they will for quite some time because I know how to do it well. I think that if you're at the point where you are frustrated and grasping for solutions, then you're on that cusp of where it's no longer worth it, Hmm. where it's no longer your job to do that. Because, I mean, there's, there's always going to be a limitation to how far you will go with what you're being paid for. Like, you're going to demand a certain quality of life at work. If only teachers could. <laughs> or, or you'll quit, right? Like, right. You can, you can insist that the, the lights stay on or you're not going to teach. <laughs> you can insist that, that, uh, that the student show up and you don't have to make house calls, right? <laughs> so there's, you're always picking this boundary for where your job ends. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's perfectly valid to say my job ends the third time I'm asked to to teach the same thing yeah. to the same student. But yeah, I think that I think that at the point where you've you see that boundary looming, where it's like this is almost what is not my job anymore. Right. I think you kind of gotta do that communication. You've got to say. Hey, I'm feeling a little frustrated or I'm not feeling heard or, you know, some whatever, whatever is the appropriate way to express that you're having genuine feelings right now. Yeah. And ask what's going on. Make it a meta discussion. Yeah, I think I think making it a meta discussion solves the problem of are you here to learn this thing or are you here for me to fix this thing? Yeah. Talk about what you're talking about. Yeah. I think even if a student is genuinely there for you to fix it for them, they might not be willing to say that, and that's kind of fine. Yeah. Like, that feels a little bit manipulative to me, just to to prompt them to say, are you just here for me to fix it for you? They're probably going to be really reluctant to say yes. Well, they're already doing an ethically questionable thing. Right, but I think that manipulation is fine. (laughs) Like, I think it's fine to, well, I think I'm okay with it, uh, to, to kind of... Show them a mirror and be like, this is what it looks like you might be doing. Is that what you're doing? Right. And if the answer is no, that might not be honest in the moment. But it then means that if they want to continue that conversation, they've got to switch their their intention. Right. Um, and a little, bit of, a little bit of that sort of manipulation, I think, is okay. I mean, they've, all, they've got other options. They can say, yes, I am. And since I know you're not going to do that, I bid you good day. <laughs> in the end, you are not going to fix it for them, right? Like You could. In the end, you're probably not going to fix it for them. Right. Probably got standards or ethics. Ooh. But, you know, a teacher doing an assignment for a student is, I think, pretty universally <laughs> outside of the realm of ethical behavior. Yeah. Um, expressing it that way might not be as effective as asking. Like, just saying, I'm not going to do this assignment for you is going to put their hackles up. Right. Yep. Very true. So is that the answer? 
to have a meta discussion. Yeah, pick pick some number of times you're willing to have the conversation, which I, th- I think can easily vary by student, it can vary by circumstance, it can vary mm-hmm. by, you know, what mood you're in. But kind of establish that limit for yourself and then start having those meta conversations. And if the meta conversation ends up being a thing like, you know, you, you ask, I answered this question last time, how did that work out for you? Yeah. And if they're like, I've got two jobs to pay my way through college, I haven't been able to stay awake enough to to do that assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, as, you know, that's often the case. Like, you've often got right. people who have kind of outside constraints that are making them not perform as well as they could kind of in a perfect world. Right. That's rough. But in that situation, explaining it again isn't going to be useful. Right. And so yep. then you can switch it to a conversation of like, all right, well... Can we do an alternate turn-in schedule? Can we, you know, is there, yeah, is there other support structure we can we can get around this? Because I think that switching the conversation from how can we fix this one event to how can we in the future make make this more conducive to learning? Right. That's that's not only setting yourself up to not want to do horrible things, but it's setting like throwing a, things. Yeah, like throwing things. Um, it's also like that student can take that information and next semester or next year or whatever, say, Hey, I had to make this modification to really get through so-and-so's class. Can we do that here too? Cause I'm still working two jobs, <laughs> so on and so forth. So that's, they're learning how they learn or what their own limits are. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's the case, they're at a limit and they know it. Yeah, you can definitely, that's a, a teaching moment, I guess. Doesn't every educator kind of want to be that teacher from that Academy Award winning historical teacher movie inspired by a true story coming to the inner city school and not only teaching them about math, but also teaching them about life? Yes, but I mean, teaching might be a calling for you, but you still have to respect your own limitations. Like you have to get through... Day by day, help as many people as you can. It's a it's a job. It has its its high points and its low points. So does that mean that in the end you can't be that teacher who doesn't let the frustration show? Yes, I think you shouldn't be. I think our image of and this is stepping a bit out, but I think our image of teachers as these sort of placid acceptors of perpetual abuse by both our society and our students does no one any good. If you're willing to demonstrate to your students that like not only are they suffering the consequences of whatever it is they're in your office for they've failed something or missed something also the fact that the way they handle that the way they interact with the people affects those people so if teachers stop just smiling gritting their teeth and accepting all the bad ways in which they're treated things might look up a bit for the job of educators yeah your teaching has to be sustainable. Like, you gotta, it does no good to help this one student if it means you can't help a bunch more. Definitely. Totally agree. I think being, being open with that to the student, I think is, is fair. Being like, hey, I can't spend all my, I don't know how to say that without it being like, we're, uh, we're being hard on the student here. We are. We definitely are. The student's coming in asking for help. Five hasn't times. Hasn't gotten it. Five times. Five, yes. And this this teacher has not helped them five times. Like, at a base level, the teacher hasn't helped them. I think it's that. I think there's something in that meta conversation that's not being understood. Because if the, if the teacher is helping, is offering help, a student wanders off and doesn't do it, 
Or doesn't understand it and doesn't mention that fact right. in the first conversation. Right. Then it becomes just a standard miscommunication. And in the end, I hope the student's going to hear the something here isn't working, help me figure out something that'll work, that'll be sustainable, so that I can also help the other hundred students I have. That that semester. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And if they don't, then that may, lets you feel a lot better about saying, you know, no, I don't think that I can help you with that. Yep. There's a great student tutoring service uh, down in the library. Check that out. Is that where student tutoring services hang out? I think. That's, that's I don't know. I, Do schools you, still have libraries? I hope schools still have libraries. <laughs> They've got to have a place to put the computers. Say, <laughs> so I hope that helped. And I hope that meta conversation goes well. So have you watched any uh, inspiring movies about inner city teachers lately? No, but I did go see Oklahoma, uh, which... The the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical? Yes. Because I think, I think the title is actually Oklahoma! Yeah. Yep, That there's definitely an exclamation point in there. And some italics. So yeah, I saw Oklahoma. Uh, it was performed by community theater folks of whom I was tangentially acquainted with with one of the performers who played Curly, the main guy. That is a musical kind of all about crappy advice and people trying to help each other. Um, So you've got a couple sets of love interests. You literally just, like, explained the plot to me last night, so let's see if I can remember it. Okay. There are two women. Oh, God. (laughs) Neither of whom ever wants to settle down. One of whom likes the gents, and one of whom does not like the gents. Not, not quite right. <clears throat> so you've got, you've got two women, one of whom has a love interest, but doesn't want to show it. The second of whom has lots of love interests, is always showing it, and doesn't seem to want to settle down, or maybe wants to settle down with each one that she's with. It's, it was all right. But it was full of, like, one person's trying to woo the first lady. So he asks for help, and so people help, and it kind of goes haywire. And, I don't know, it's a comedy of errors, I guess. But mostly it's just full of people, like, jostling each other to try to help out, and just making a big mess of things. Um, Just a bunch of people trying to paint a house and walking through the door at the same time and spilling the whitewash everywhere? Pretty much, and singing while doing it. Um, and it is one of those where in the first song, I kind of went, oh, you know what could solve this problem? Speaking literally to each other about what you want. It was exactly the sort of situation of repeatedly wanting to get help for something and everyone chipping in and none of it doing any good at all. We see that a lot in media. We really like the plot that's like, I have this problem, but I can't talk to him about it. Yep. And so I'm going to try and make him change without ever talking about it right or you know i can't i can't share my dark secret and so i'm just going to be aloof and avoid it and hopefully everyone will respect me regardless and i hate those plots i hate them i hate them they're so if if there's a if i see a story and the first in the first scene or whatever i go this whole thing could be just unraveled by two people sitting having a cup of tea and talking it has to be pretty funny to make up for that. Like, there has to be something else. Um, and I've, I've seen authors and writers kind of hang their hats on that thing entirely, which is really frustrating to read or watch. 
Um, but Oklahoma was fun because it was funny enough and poked enough fun at itself that it definitely it worked out. Yeah, it definitely kind of fits this idea of just people bumbling around or not hearing each other correctly and singing all the while. So much singing. <laughs> what about you? I've been I've been listening to something funny as well. I've been catching up on Welcome to Night Vale, which ah. is a story-based podcast that's presented as a community radio program from the strangest town in the multiverse. Uh, it's a, it's a an odd place where all the conspiracies are real and there are monsters every week and uh, it's very eerie and horror themed but always always funny even when it's just heartbreaking. And the point at which I am in the story right now Cecil, the the radio host, has a boyfriend um, named Carlos, who is who is a scientist. He's very good at science, and he likes science a lot. And Carlos is currently trapped in this desert other world, this this other dimension that they're able to to call back and forth, um, but they can't really see each other or touch each other because they're in different dimensions. And they're clearly missing each other and want to see each other, but Cecil clearly wants to stay in Night Vale. And Carlos clearly wants to stay in the desert otherworld. Uh. And Carlos just has just asked Cecil to visit. And it's unclear whether you can ever get back from the other like That was gonna be my question, yeah. They they have a way to get to the other world now, but the kind of one of the big questions is if you think Cecil can get home again, why haven't you come home? And there's this unspoken mm-hmm. But clearly, subtext situation where Carlos wants to stay there for a while. He's studying so many things, he's got so many beakers bubbling with liquid, and he doesn't want to go back to Cecil, despite clearly being in love with him. So it's one of those situations where they're, each of them are asking things from the other, you know, Carlos, please come home, Cecil, please come visit. Mm-hmm. And really, they're kind of asking, please be with me and give up what you what is important to you yeah and it's it's a bittersweet situation because i mean they're both kind of asserting themselves except they're asserting themselves too far right i mean it's not like they want to they're asking other people to give up their own right but they're each they're each doing what is important to them Ah. the sad part is that their relationship isn't quite as important as their other pursuits Yes. And I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I guess I'm, I'm probably going to find out soon. But I hope that there's some happy medium. I mean, if they can just set up, you know, frequent tourism between the two, that would be great. But uh, Unless all the tourists get stuck in one place. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Everything always turns out great on Night Vale. And no one ever gets eaten by a terrible multidimensional being. I feel like that might not be true. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right, so we've talked quite a bit about what to do when people are asking you for help and there seems to be some miscommunication on what each person wants out of that conversation so what are our final thoughts we've talked about communities we've talked about colleagues don't throw things don't throw things definitely don't throw things Uh, i think that's i think that's the important takeaway here yes i'm very proud of us for not having used the phrase teach a man to fish that's right i was totally gonna use that phrase so glad i hate that phrase that means it's gotta be the title for the episode oh no um take care of yourself as the person being asked for advice 
even if whether you're in a position of authority or not, whether it's your job or not, you don't owe every ounce of yourself to other people. Yeah. And have that meta conversation. Talk about how this is making you feel. However you feel is appropriate to do that. It, I mean, it might be, I'm feeling really frustrated. It might be, I don't think that this is going how I want it to. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know that this is being productive. Make that clear. Make it clear that you're not okay with this. And ask what's going on. Yeah. I remember I had a professor do that. A professor I trusted very much. And I don't even remember what we were talking about. Presumably something about our research. And she said, let's have a, a bit of a meta conversation here. And it went really well. And I really appreciated it. I'm not sure that conversation is going to be any easier than just giving them the same advice another time. They're difficult in different ways. Yeah, they'll still expend energy, but... One of them will make you hate your job. (laughs) Yeah, and one of them might actually improve the situation and help the student, if not learn, at least know that they should drop your class. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, there, There are worse things than having a reputation for being a tough professor. Yeah. Tough professor does not mean cruel professor. Right. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking with me, Gregory. And thank you for talking with me. And thank you all for listening. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, uh, and I can be found online at urson.net or on Twitter at AveryMD. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. I can be found at ludusnovus.net or at Gregory Weir on Twitter. If you want to send us a question, um, feel please free do. to... Please do. Yes, please do. And email us at us at AveryWeir.net. It's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R dot net. Our theme is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license. I think it's hello, hello, welcome to.